1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Brenda Peterson. She's the author of many, many books, including Wolf Nation, The Life, Death, and Return of Wild American Wolves. Brenda, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Delighted. I'm delighted to have you. Now, I would like to ask you, I know that you've been studying wolves and researching wolves and going out and actually seeing them. And it's an amazing decades-long endeavor on your part. And I want to start off with something. You were invited to speak at a conference by the Center of the American West. And you quoted someone. And I would love for you to share that quote
2: with us today. She's a wonderful historian, Patricia Nelson Limerick. And she uh, was uh, the moderator of the panel that I was on. And she asked this question. What do you think the most astonishing thing that's happened in the past 100 years? If you could go back and talk to people from 100 years ago and ask them, what's the most astonishing thing right now? They would not say an airplane. They would not say technology or all of our you know, computers. They would say that it's a fact that wild animals have lawyers they have advocates. They have people who speak for wolves or speak for whales or speak for grizzlies. And that is an amazing thing.
1: It is an amazing thing. I'm thinking, like, recently there in New Zealand, they have um, said that rivers are have the same rights as a person. Yes. Or another one I've, I'm familiar with is the plight of... Caged chimpanzees. There are lawyers advocating habeas corpus yes. for them that yes. they have rights not to be enclosed in that way. That or that the Supreme Court has advocated that dogs are sentient beings. Yes. So You're mostly looking at wolves right now. Yes. And and also I know whales and dolphins, and I know you're interested in so many species. But right now, wolves. So say something about that kind of advocacy. It's the
2: idea that the intrinsic value of a creature extends beyond the human, meaning that if a wolf helps manage an ecosystem, in fact, much better than humans... Why wouldn't that wolf have rights? Why wouldn't we advocate for a top predator to stay and help balance that system? There's the Great Ape Project. There's the idea that scientists have proven their sentience that, you know, dolphins and chimpanzees are aware of self, which we only thought humans were. Even gray parrots. Even gray parrots, Yes. Mark Beckhoff is doing wonderful work with Jane Goodall on animal emotions, that animals grieve, that animals, you know, like elephants, will go back to the place where the bones of their beloved still lie and use their trunks to kind of feel those bones. Wolves, if they lose someone in their pack, will only howl alone instead of in community. They will cease to play. And, you know, wolves play every 30 minutes. So there's these emotional, uh, valid lives that are going on in dramas of wild animals all around us. If we would just open our eyes and listen. Brenda, I'm thinking about
1: the idea that wildlife services talk about culling, culling out a herd or culling out the wolves. I've read something about elephants and they have called like the older elephants from the herd and what they're finding is that the whole society of the elephant the whole herd then starts to fall apart because they were learning that there's a kind of wisdom that the older members of a herd and this may be also true of of wolves in their pack yes. that They need
2: that guidance of the elders. Yes, there's wonderful new cutting-edge research that you can see on my website, and, you know, Center for Biological Diversity has that up, that they've discovered that culling or killing wolves actually increases predation of livestock. So all of these wolf hunts that people want to go back to, all of the stuff where people think, well, if we just kill a couple of wolves, it'll help get rid of them. In fact, if you kill, say, the breeding female, then you destabilize the juveniles. They don't know how to hunt. They don't know where to hunt. They might decide to go after livestock instead of deer. So it's an absolute backwards way to have wildlife management. But it's really cutting-edge paradigm shifts that we're looking at here.
1: And we're asking then for huge attitude shifts.
2: Always, Always, always. It's always about us learning a different way of seeing the natural world. So to move our viewpoint. Away from serve me, fix me, exist only for me. It's a very unsustainable way of living. And if we look at all the other animals who are also here balancing ecosystems with us, and we destroy them because we think they're competition instead of helpmates or partners, we will doom ourselves. Some scientists have actually said to me, Soto Voce, you know, in studying wolves, I've learned how to be a better mother. Many, many women are studying wolves. Amaruk Wise, Christina Eisenberg, the young woman, Kids for Wolves, Story Warren. I write about this in Wolf Nation. They are studying wolves, and they bring this whole new matriarchal balance of genders Attitude toward other species. And they're seeing amazing things like the babysitter wolves or the fact that alpha female and alpha male or they call them the breeding pair have equal power in the family. They actually have more power in their families than humans seem to these days. I know that some years ago you had
1: a big surprise in your life. You were down in New Mexico and... It's just something surprising happened for you. Yeah, I'd love for you to
2: share that story. So I was teaching at Arizona State University, and I was writing a novel about the Hopis. So I was spending a lot of times out on the deserts. And I got lost on the Navajo reservation, terribly, directionally impaired, lost. And I ended up in this old trading post. The minute I walked in, I had my first and only migraine. Flashing lights, a terrible pain. And... It seemed to be coming from a glass counter that was full of trinkets. And I went over there, and I just said, there's something here. And the woman looked at me for the first time with a kind of, oh. And was she Navajo? She was Navajo. And she looked at me, and she said, what do you mean? And I said, I'm feeling so much pain. There is, it's coming from here. And she picked up these kind of, you know, very inexpensive earrings and things and picked up this velvet case. And underneath was this museum-quality necklace that I'd only seen in places like the Smithsonian. And I gasped. But the minute I saw it, the pain went away. And she looked at me and she picked it up and she handed it to me and she put it in my hand. And it felt like heat lightning In my hands. I was terrified. And she said, it is awake. It needs to go with you. You may need the protection. And I looked at it and felt it, and there were wolf teeth on that necklace. It was a 1921 necklace, and I looked at those little, well, they're not so little, those wolf fangs. That were kind of veined and adorned the necklace. And I handed it back and I said, no, no, I don't know anything about wolves. I mean, I, I was raised on a national forest and all of that, but I don't think I'm worthy of this. And I'm certainly not going to take it from you. And she said, "It." Needs to be awake. It has some work to do in the world. It was made by my father for someone in World War I who did not come back to do his work. And it needs to go and do this work. And that was 1979 80. And I took that necklace and I gave her every penny I had in my savings account. And she, and she did, wasn't even asking for money. She didn't want money. She said, my father said someone would know it was here. And when they came to give it to that person. And I hid it for 10 years because I was studying whales and dolphins. I was not really studying wolves. But in 1993, my father, who was in wildlife, brought me up to Alaska for the Alaska Wolf Summit, where they were shooting wolves, radio-collared wolves from airplanes. And that necklace woke up again, and it went with me to Alaska. And that was 1993, and ever since then, I've been writing about and studying wolves. And it is still awake. And as I've done these two books, Wolf Nation and Wolf Haven, it very much loved to go down to Wolf Haven and see real wolves, and to Yellowstone, where I followed the introduction of wolves again in 1995. So it's working, In the world. And I'm still a little afraid of it. I never wear it ornamentally. I never show it to anyone. It just stays with me when I write.
1: And I know that you've tried to give it away.
2: Yes, I did.
1: And people say, no, no, it's yours. There's something else going on. There's this invisible power in the world that's guiding us. I find this very hopeful and I know that the work that you've done with the Wolves and what you talk about and all the legislation and the the uh, listing them as endangered species and then delisting them, and it goes back and forth, but it's a long game that you it's you're a talking. very
2: long game and I do have a lot of hope because of the reintroduction, because of restoring wild wolves into the southwest. But note that those were Mexican wolf teeth. And right now, I have been following a Mexican wolf family that went from captive, you know, breeding in the Federal Species Survival Program to release the largest release of Mexican wolves in Southwest or Mexico. And I was there with my wolf necklace. And I can only think that it knew much more than I did. I mean, it's been with me almost 40 years. And I feel like it is a talisman. It's a guide. It's my elder And when I did try to give it to the Smithsonian, the Native person who was the head there said to me, it needs to stay with you. It doesn't want to be in a museum case.
1: It's still active. There's still work to do. Yes. And you are a storyteller, and that's what the work
2: is about, is telling these stories. Stories change the heart. They change our way of seeing the world. And if we can tell new stories about wolves, about nature, about other predators, and we can live with them, our grandchildren will bless us. Brenda,
1: I know we have so much more to say, but I just want to recommend that people look at the two books that you put together, Wolf Haven which has beautiful, beautiful photographs, and you've written the text around those photographs, and your book, Wolf Nation, The Life, Death, and Return of Wild American Wolves. I highly recommend them both to people, and they can go to your website as well, BrendaPetersonBooks.com. Or they can go to the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, to find out more information. Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Always my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe.